Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I am delighted to be here today. My name, of course, is Paul John Dykes, and I'm joined by John Paul Mason. JP, yeah. you said you weren't going to put that countdown behind you, but we're now at that point. It's the 25th of January. Um, Axon will be with Martin O'Neill tomorrow night. Before you know it, you're into the weekend. There's a game to look at. We are running out of time to get this quality through the door, JP. And I've been trying all month not to panic, knee-jerk, all this kind of stuff. But today, when you look at the tagline, are they asleep at the wheel again? Surely we should not be in this position at this stage of the transfer window. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Um, I, I think where I'm at with it is that if the, the transfer window slams shut, as it always does, um, then... And Brendan Rodgers comes out the next day and he's asked in the presser and the build-up to the Aberdeen game uh, about transfers, because he will be. He's been asked about transfers in every single press conference pretty much in December, maybe even November, certainly in January. Um, that's all he'll get asked about. But whether he can say publicly what's going on, because just say, just say right now there's loads of stuff going on behind the scenes, which you would hope there is in terms of trying to get the quality, quote, unquote, in, and also uh, sh- you know, shorten the squad as well, which is something that we all know needs to happen. Um, because this is not, as many people have pointed out, if you're not getting a game against Bucky Thistle, then you're mm-hmm. probably, and you're not anywhere near the squad for the Bucky Thistle game, and you're fit, then you probably should be looking at your your options for for where you're going to play. But if it gets to February the first, and and he come, if I was able to have a private conversation with him, and he said to me, "Look, there was various deals that were close to happening. 
There's one that's going to happen in the summer. Um, five, six million pound player or whatever. And we, we just genuinely struggled to get players out the door. There was no, there was no takers. I'm happy with what, what, what's been done in this window. If that was a conversation I was to have with him, I'd be fine with it. If the conversation I had with him was that he wasn't happy and that if he was if he was brutally honest with me or whoever he was speaking to, because obviously he can't be in press conferences. That's the difficult that's the difficulty is he can't be completely transparent. Exactly. Uh, but then if he was at the other conversation whereby it was a case of, well, I wanted this player and that player, the board or whoever the recruitment team didn't push the boat out to get them, you know, just say I wanted in a similar way that I wanted Castagna for however many million and they weren't willing to pay the extra two that the club wanted or whatever. If there's stories like that, that's a concern. And that's mm. that and that's when the tagline comes into play. But the the difficulty is is that he's quite a good poker face player, Brendan Rogers, but he'll let the mask slip when he chooses to. I.e. Terminado, millions of wingers, things like that. That, that he chose to put those, uh, and in just the same way as he chose to like completely eviscerate the players after the St. Johnson game. Aye. He didn't yeah. didn't need to do that. Could have kept that in house, but he decided to do that. So it's, it's it's genuinely up to how the how the manager feels, in in a in a real way. If anybody is to come come out after that and say. I know that Brendan Rodgers feels this way about the transfer window with authority. Then I would, I would take that as as my my thumbs up or thumbs down for the for the transfer window. But that, yeah, I, I think I think as well as that is that people will point to the fact that we beat Rangers before the just before the the break, and therefore does that suddenly make us, you know, we don't need to add anybody and everything's fine and everything's rosy, but it can't be because of the comments that have been made prior to that. So, no, you're right. It can be due to the comments and also, you know, due to the scenario that we've mentioned this week, whereby you're going into these these big games between now and the end of the season, JP, and in particular the games against Rangers, because that is what is going to, uh, you know, that for me is where it's going to be won and lost. Um, I don't. I don't think there's going to be many points dropped uh, by our challengers between now and the end of the season. We're going to have to go into the big derby games and win them. And if you go in with the positions we've been talking about all season and last season, um, having not been strengthened, you could, you know, you could be going into these games with the likes of Scott Bain and goals if Joe Hart gets injured, with the likes of Alexandro Bernabe at left back. The guy, you know, I don't even know what he looks like. Does he look like a winger? He doesn't look like a left-back to me, JP. And if Greg Taylor is injured, suspended, whatever it may be, this is where we're wide open in a, in a few different areas of the park. I'm not as concerned about up top. I want a striker, but I think we do have enough players that, you know, if you were to go into a game against Rangers, you could play people like a badder through the middle, for example, Maeda through the middle. I'm not as concerned up top, although I do want a striker. But going into the big games, I, I would not be confident with the backups. They're just they're miles off. There's a massive drop off. But going back to the point you mentioned there about Brennan Rogers, he is very, very acutely aware of what he can and cannot say and when he can do it. So when he's in your running the mill press conferences, he, he watches what he says when he decides to. He'll drop a wee grenade when he thinks it's necessary. Um, but all that side of it. 
privately he will be speaking to various people. I mean, this is why we know he doesn't like Lagerbjörk as a footballer, not on a personal level, and because it's it's been put out there. And there's there's ways that people can do that so that the information is out there. And what concerns me, and this came, kind of came up yesterday in a conversation, JP, is if, for example, we don't get the players or we don't get the, the bodies in the positions that we want and we need, then there's something wrong with the recruitment team. Because I, I think you can compare the summer and the winter transfer windows, and they're almost the polar opposites. We were too trigger-happy in the summer, and now everything is with a fine-tooth comb. That laser focus that I've been told to stop saying of Brendan Rodgers. And he has said himself, I've been, you know, I could have had bodies in the door. It's not mm-hmm. about getting bodies in the door, it's about this magical word, quality. So you're guessing that the winger we have brought in and... Uh, Nicholas Kuhn, and I know I was getting stick for my pronunciation last week. By the way, I, straight away after last week's podcast, I was like, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right to me. And I messaged a German girl I know and just said, how do you pronounce this name? Because it's, uh, it's just been a, a board of contention. And uh, it's Kuhn. She came back with a voice note <laughs> saying, this is how you pronounce it, because it's got the umlaut uh, above the U. So mm-hmm. uh, Nicholas Kuhn. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not taking your lead on pronunciation again. Uh, on a while, because <laughs> you got the stick. You got the stick for it. I know, I know. <laughs> but here, here's where we are. Um, and, and yesterday again, and it wasn't a, an attempt to have a dig at anybody in the comments uh, individually. It was more this thing, JP, whereby where you are looking at where Celtic are, what needs to improve. There's nothing wrong with that as a football fan. You, you can't instantly be called negative, you know, because people, there, there's a, a whole group of people who will point to the silverware we've won in the last 24 years since Martin O'Neill came to the club. Because uh, I think that when O'Neill came in, we started dominating the game at that point. We There wasn't the domination. Yeah, the building blocks were laid a few years before with Fergus McCann coming in, making us financially secure, rebuilding the stadium, stopping the 10. But the domination for me started when Martin O'Neill walked in the building. And in the last 24 years, it's been phenomenal to be a Celtic fan. GP, I always enjoyed being a Celtic fan, even back in the 90s when there's, we were there's been a few, there's been a few. Uh, there's been a few grim, grim uh, seasons, you know, to chuck in there. The Seville season, as much as it was great, to lose the league on the last day of the season on goal difference. Mm. Helicopter Sunday... Not great, <laughs> but there's been enough to sort of counter those those moments. But th- those were sore moments and still are, and they, they don't go away. The, the the probably the three sorest then are the two you've mentioned plus the uh, the lockdown season. Those oh, three seasons were dark, dark days, dark days, and we know how well the the club is run financially. We get it, but I don't think there's anything wrong with demanding the highest possible standards. JP, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that that's the difference between being a, a top, top football club and being a club that wins a trophy here and there. Um, if you don't demand that level of success, then you could become mediocre or you could be a flash in the pan. There could be cycles of success. At Celtic, you want that success every single season. If we come through the next few days and nobody else has added to the squad, are you confident with what we've got between now and the end of the season to win the league? I've seen enough evidence of the of what the team can do in the first half of the season when they apply, they apply themselves and when we've got a strong strong pool of players to choose from to put an eleven in the park. 
the Atletico Madrid. The general performance in the Champions League, Atletico Madrid away aside, mm. shows that we could compete at that level. Obviously, we were, were a, bit, a good bit off it, but not a million miles. I didn't. I, I feel like a lot of those games could be played again and there would be outcomes potentially different in our favour. The Lazio home game, for example, I think you could play that another couple of times and we, we win two out of three of them. Do you know, it was just sometimes it just doesn't fall for you and VAR doesn't do you a favour with the, with, the, with the Maeda flick. But um, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say we're absolute cast-iron certainties, but I would say that we 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 probably could, but why would you risk it when you've got this opportunity of a month to sign players and to let players go? Why would you not maximise that opportunity uh, if, if you if you possibly can? I still think there'll be another one, maybe two players in um, before before the transfer window closes. I just I, I just think I've got that feeling not based on nothing. Um, obviously, a lot depends on what happens now with this Matt O'Reilly situation um, in Atletico Madrid because it's a fairly big gun to come in with an offer. That's that that's not that's not a project team or project club. Um, I guess it would just depend on what they're offering them in terms of game game time and does he just go straight into an Atletico Madrid starting eleven? I'd find that quite surprising, but if that's the case, then f- so be it. But um, that's 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 kind of that's a, that's a, a troublesome, <laughs> a troublesome uh, offer to or piece of paper to have on a table at Celtic Park. It is, that is facts, whatever whatever way they've they've tabled the offer. Old I wonder how, how how are they tabled these days? That's a great question. What's that? Who knows? I mean, I remember an old. Uh, Kind of transfer deadline program. I don't know if it was on like Saint Saint and Greaves or whatever. It was back in the day, Barry Fry, and it was all phone calls, and he had this thing on his desk, and he used to hammer it every time he done a deal. Um, how is it done these days? That's a great question. What's that? Ah, but all the all the messages will get deleted, of course. Mm. And when when you look at the Matt O'Reilly situation, we've been talking about him all season. In fact, we've been talking about him for the two years he's been at the club. He was, of course, a January acquisition two seasons ago alongside three Japanese imports, two of which went on to be brilliant successes and are currently at the uh, Asian Cup in the last 16. Of course, Rio Atari and Dyson Maeda. Um, and yesterday we were talking about O'Reilly because the story broke, and obviously you're going to talk about it. And there was um, kind of like two sides to this, I think. The first one was, I saw paper talk, you know, a peep to the point where some people are saying Celtic have planted the story so that when we, you know, when we keep them, it's a success and it takes the you know, the focus off the us no signing players and all this kind of stuff. And although I know that people use the press and all the rest of it, I, I just see it as a link. I'm not surprised at the link. Um, it's a serious one, like you say, because, right, Girona might, might be top of the league, JP, but they're not in the same category as Atletico Madrid when it comes to your future as a footballer, right? Mm. And like you said, again, um, it, it's not a stepping stone. Girona, I feel, would have been almost like Van Dyke Southampton. You're, you're mm. getting into that league but you are looking for your next move straight away. Um, he's, he's bypassed that, if Atletico Madrid come calling. And we've gone on about, and again, a lot of this is just what we pick up as much as we possibly can about him being intelligent um, in terms of off the park. You know, if he's looking at his career, it'll all be well thought out. JP, there'll be no just chasing a quick buck. He knows exactly 
how he wants his career to pan out. But there's one thing about Matt O'Reilly, and I've said it since he came in. I th- I felt when he came in, when he signed, it was he was he was the kind of underwhelming signing. But we're still getting excited about Angie's knowledge of the Japanese market. So I'm pretty sure, other than Liam Carrigan, on Axel, not many people knew about Rio Atati and all these guys. But you were excited because it was Angie and he was tapping into this market and he had already done it really well with Kyogo. O'Reilly came in almost, not quite under the radar, but he was the guy, JP, you're looking at going, right, okay, MK Dons. It's a bit of a punt. It's a bit of a punt to bring him in. And also and the he, second choice after the guy, McGree. That's right. That's right. We're led to believe, I'm pretty sure Ange Postacoco said at the time about having spoken to Riley McGree. Yeah. There was confirmation of the of the interest anyway, so it could have been him instead, and Matt O'Reilly could have been elsewhere. Who knows? It'd be interesting to see where Matt O'Reilly's career would be right now had he not made the move to Celtic and the boy McGree had come here instead. Who knows? Um, Middlesbrough were on the noise up on the socials, remember? Yeah, yeah I do remember it. But but the other thing about the about the Matt O'Reilly bid is that. There's been so much chat about the Celtic team, mainly from elsewhere, not within the own the, our own support. But there's this, there's this weird myth that this is the worst Celtic team. Some have said for 10, 15 years, you know, since Ronnie Dyler. Some go back even further. They'll say, oh, this is the worst Celtic team since, since John Barnes. I'm talking about fans of another club in Glasgow, right? How... How in hell is this such a bad Celtic team if our mid one our starting midfielder who has got so much potential has been linked with a move to Atletico Madrid? A, a serious like a, there's a, a bid. Sky Sports have reported a bid has been tabled. I mean, that's either right or it's wrong. Mm-hmm. You can't put that sort of information out there if it's if it's wrong. Um, it's not just like they're interested and it's they've tabled a bid. So and, and Leeds United tabled a bid. Callum McGregor made them look like idiots in the last game. Every single one of them saying he was the best player in the park. Begrudgingly, Cameron Carter-Vickers is the best centre-half in the league and is apparently wanted by clubs down south. Um, Kyogo has made them look like idiots in two games this season with two wonder strikes. So I'm sorry, but that's quite a lot of players to then to, now to stack up to say that this is the worst Celtic side in so many years or whatever that... It's not a bad Celtic side. It no. just needs a bit of strengthening here and there. Um, and I'm not saying that that suddenly makes us world beaters, but. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would be concerned for our rivals if we were to strengthen in the areas that we all want us to strengthen in because 
we've already got a really good team, I think, with with good players, with a player in Bernardo coming in now who yeah. is, is staking a claim to be a first-team player. So that's I've named like half of the first team. Then the, you might pick holes and say, all right, well, Greg Taylor's a weak link. Greg Taylor on his game is a good player. Last um, five games. Last five yeah, games, he's been excellent. Absolutely. No, but no one's ever doubt, doubted that. You don't play the way that he's played for the last two seasons under Ange Postacogo and then suddenly just drop off a cliff and become a bad player. It could be any number of reasons. It could be complacency. It could be the changing system, playing with different centre-halves. There's a number of reasons. But we all, all know that we need someone else in that position should should he be injured or suspended or whatever because the backup that we have currently in the building definitely the manager doesn't rely upon doesn't trust them so yeah I guess that's uh, the, the Matt Riley thing obviously as a concern as, as mm. you because I mean people will say well oh, it would be a travesty if he was sold obviously it would be a devastating blow to lose a player as good as him at this point in the season but all if Atletico Madrid, Madrid are the team to do it all they are really doing is what we've just done to Rapid Vienna and take yeah. could like all their mm-hmm. players all their supporters in the comments are all going mental at uh, them for selling Kuhn and and, and we are, we've benefited from that as we are the player we are the club that's paid the money to get him so it's the football food chain that's how it works We've been here before. It's not nice when it doesn't happen when you want it to happen, but these things are your control sometimes. Um, I think, yeah, with O'Reilly, I have no doubt he's definitely ready and he could make that step up. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it, JP, and I think he's shown it since he came to Celtic. As I say, when he came in, bit of an under-the-radar signing at the time, um, and straight off the bat, this, the first challenge is, can you play for Celtic in this big stadium and domestically can you do that can you take that step up and he proved that he could and then you start looking at can you do it against Rangers yes Champions League yes <laughs> Champions League position absolutely can you add goals to your game and then then it's the international one so running alongside that he's, he's starting to get his caps for the, the under-21s you and I uh, spoke to Reaper and Vicors that day a few mm-hmm. months back and we asked Vicors the question about Matt O'Reilly and he says yeah he's we're aware of him. He's going to have to do really well to get into the squad. We've got a strong. He got into the squad, you know. And it's like every single time there's a challenge put in front of him. O'Reilly's got that mentality, I think. Um, and I think there's a ruthlessness probably off the park, JP, to achieve that as well. Um, talking about being that 24-hour athlete, and he, he was talking recently about you know tapping into the the mental side of it to have the mental strength. So if it was to happen, I've got no doubt he could step up to the plate. Um, However, I think it would be unthinkable at this stage because the margin between us and Rangers at this moment in time is, is tight. It's a, it's a small mark. We're not leaps and bounds ahead of them. Absolutely not. And I'm not going to pretend that we are. There's a whole discussion as to why we're not, I think, because they've had a season where, you know, the wheels have come off. They've had to change manager. You know, the, the whole transition around that, JP. But they've been stabilised to a degree. Um, mm. And I think... The frustration with us is that the impact of the summer transfer window wasn't as immediate as we would have liked. But you've pointed out some of the guys coming in. I think Navrosky could be also in that category. We've not seen it as much as Bernardo. You could be another guy who's important in the second half of the season. 
So from that window, you're then looking and thinking, there's maybe three or four guys here who were useful signings. Um, but I don't want anybody be, to be coming back from injury being called a, like a new signing. Huh. I don't want. Uh, there's not many of them to. There's not many of them really to to come back anymore now. Everyone's kind of got their hand up and ready to play. But just with regards to the Matt Riley thing, I've seen a lot of stuff, you know, swirling around the last few days about, you know, where the board should absolutely stand firm and you know they they can't they can't accept this bid and everything else. What if the player goes in and says, I want to go to Atletico Madrid. I may not get this opportunity again. And then it, then money's talked about and it's 25 million or whatever it is. It's going to be in that ballpark, I would imagine. If Celtic sell him, does, is that suddenly... And I'm no board apologist, but I'm looking at it realistically. Like, how how on earth in that situation are they, are they, are they supposed to just go, oh, come on, Matt, just stay another six months? Like, you know what it, happens if somebody's unhappy, JP? 100%. 100%. We've seen it. We saw it. It affected the season 2021. Um, I just I just don't know. I, I, I don't know who's to blame here. The only club you can really blame here is Atletico Madrid for having the audacity to bid for one of our best players. At, 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 at some point in time, it, the responsibility gets taken out of the hands of Celtic, really. like, And it's not a case of like, oh, well... They just, they're just want they're just after the money and they're pointing to the the uh, the upturn and what we paid one point five million for Matt O'Reilly. So obviously the the math the mathematic geniuses amongst us would work out that that's a hell of a profit to make on a player in the space of two years. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, obviously, I I really don't want him to go at this point in time. I, I hate players leaving in January, especially players that you've become attached to. Uh, but I'm realistic enough to know that that's the way football works sometimes. And what if you were to say to like Madrid, "Why well, can you come back in the summer?" And they'd be like, "Well, our, our target might have changed in the summer. We might move on to X player or Y player instead." What would you do then? <laughs> this is it. There's so many moving parts, right? Um, somebody's come in, come in on a Thursday of all days. This is I see it almost as a challenge. If you come in on a Thursday and say, "Are we running out of things to talk about?" Because JP and I could talk about any manner of topics. <laughs> we, Jimmy, you've thrown a grenade in. I think we are running out of topics to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. We're absolutely not. No danger. Um, we, we could talk transfers all day long, actually. But Michael McDonald um, has done that thing. That you could, uh, I remember there used to be a channel when it was like a some kind of spiritual channel, JP, whereby you would send your messages in. And I think a priest of some description would read them out. So it wasn't like you were getting a celebrity to read out um, an Irish Rebel song. And what then happened was somebody started sending in song lyrics. And to hear this priest just talking through girls and boys by blah was quite mm-hmm. comical. Michael McDonald's done it today. Yes, of course. Made of Stone. Uh, one of the greatest songs ever written by the Stone Roses. And I've got to say, JP, just before he came on, because I know you do like music here and there. I, I can see Tony Wilson over your shoulder there as well. I, I was listening to the Squire and, and Gallagher song that's just that's coming out tomorrow. Got a wee snippet of it. Sounding absolutely phenomenal. I know that uh, John Squire's lad, Dylan, was playing at uh, King Tut's just last week. How was the game? No, it was great. It was, um, it was really cool to see him you know, I know it meant a lot to him to headline King Tut's 
you know, he's obviously got a bit of pressure on his shoulders with the surname. But I don't think he lets that phase him too much. He's quite a chilled guy. He just likes to, uh, he just loves playing playing music and he's right into his music. Um, and yeah, he, he has, you know, a lot of people maybe would say, oh, well, of course he's headlining. That's look who his dad is. But he's been at this for nine years playing in bands, you know, and, and it's taken him up to this point to get to a level where he's built up a bit of following in Glasgow to the point that he can class himself as a headliner. And, you know, he's been in various bands. He's been bands that he's organised himself, played as a, a member in other bands. Um, and it's just, it's really, it was really cool to see. So I was glad to to be there to see the, the big man. And he makes me feel wee because he's massive. He's so tall. <laughs> I, feel, I feel tiny next to him. But um, I, he's, he's a really nice guy. And, and, and yeah, look, Look forward to seeing what happens. What happens next for them? But did you, there's a thing you must watch if you're into the Gallagher Squire song. That you, you know Justin Hawkins from the Darkness. I, I watched that. Yeah, I did yeah, watch that on YouTube. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where he, where he kind of dissects the song. I think he starts to listen to it, thinking he's going to hate it, and then by about a minute in, he's like, "Oh no, this is actually really good." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's going on about it being the, the Stonesy influence over the Beatles. And the good thing about that, that show that he does when he's trying to explain something you just pull the guitar up and explain it by playing it and all that so yeah yes go and watch that there you go there's a subject that isn't about football transfers um dylan squire check him out i'm pretty sure he was in a band or front of the band called heavy rapids would it be right in saying that it was and the first time he played touch was was in his band uh, the teller men and they were i mean he must have been about 16 at that point and they opened for blossoms at touch oh. mm-hmm. blossoms first played touch so now you know blossoms will play one or two academies in Glasgow and the main support that day was a guy called Declan McKenna who's pretty big in his own right now as well so it was some bill and and John Squire was there at that gig he's not he wasn't there on Saturday um, he's probably a bit busy at the moment uh, with Liam and songs and whatnot. but I um, that was when he first played Great to see them uh, getting bigger and better as the years go on. So, Matt O'Reilly, are we concerned? Of course we're concerned. Um, and I, I want to bring up a few things because when you're you're talking about the Celtic board and you're talking about uh, Peter Lawwell and, and the way that, that uh, these transfers happen, I think what we need to do is we need to understand the, the, the kind of process because it wasn't too long ago, if you were to go on to Twitter or X as it now is, and... Uh, People were banging on about how well Ange was working with Michael Nicholson, JP. Remember, that was a chat. That was a narrative from Celtic supporters. It was on the blogs. It was on the pods and all this kind of stuff. Well, Michael Nicholson's still in the same position. Mm. Peter Lowell has returned as a chairman. And we know that uh, under normal circumstances that these two positions and the clout and your obviously the, the weight that you have in terms of the decision-making process are very uh, much defined. Do you think when you've got a figure as influential and as overbearing as Peter Lovell, that the title doesn't really matter. The title that, that you, the role in which you um, inhibit in, in, a, in a company, does it matter when you're as big and powerful and influential as Peter Lovell? I, so it was a terrible, terrible decision for him to come back. It really was. I mean, I, I don't understand it because, as I said before, all it has done is allow people to lay blame at his door for anything bad that happens. Anything bad that happens. Like, 
th- there was that point in the Hearts game where a section of the crowd started singing "Sack the Board." That mm-hmm. has gone quiet in previous and in, 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 uh, in the, the following games. Like there wasn't any "Sack the Board" chance when we were beating Rangers. Does that make me a happy clapper? Does that make just because I'm calling that out? I mean, it's, it's fact. You know, it's like that 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 didn't happen. You know, I know as you're I said, not a happy clapper. I, I'm as, 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 as I said at the time, if you're going to start that, see it through. Start a, an actual campaign like with rallies, banners, mm. you know, pickets, sharks, whatever you want. You know what I mean? Fill your boots, but do it properly. Don't just stand singing sack the board in one game when we're getting beat like spoiled children and then stop it. Like genuinely, if that's how you feel, start the campaign, see how it picks up in the wider support and take take this board down. But Peter Law coming back, if Matt O'Reilly gets sold in January, it's Peter Law's fault. There will be thousands of people that blame Peter Law. I mean, and that's not me defending Peter Law, it's just the situation that Celtic have created by bringing him back giving people the yeah. opportunity to blame him for something as futile as selling a player for potentially a record figure. Like, how on earth could that possibly be his fault? I mean, is he sitting in a room going, oh, no, no, that's not even entertain keeping Matt O'Reilly. Sell him. Sell him to the highest bidder. That's that's the conversations that people think will be going on inside mm-hmm. Celtic Park, which I don't think really that's the case. I think it will be a case of there'll be a conversation between player's agent, the player and the recruitment team and that will be a case of right does, does he want to, does it, do, you, do you want us to entertain this bid? Yes okay, bid's taken Matt O'Reilly flies to Madrid to speak to Atletico Madrid terms are offered fees agreed, that's it Peter Law's not involved <laughs> Peter Law's well, not involved in This is a thing because if we sell a, a big a big name player in the past, I don't think many people, when Peter Law was the CEO and Ian Bankier was the chairman, not many are, are pointing at Ian Bankier saying it's his fault. They're, mm-hmm. they're pointing at Peter Law as the CEO saying it's his fault. Mm-hmm. Now that Michael Nicholson's the CEO and Peter Law was the chairman, and the positions and your strength and your power within those positions apparently have not changed. It's just the, the person within that position that's changed. If we sell Matt O'Reilly, it's Peter Law. It's the chairman's fault now. It was the CEO, mm-hmm. CEO's fault before, but now it's the chairman's fault. And it's because of the figure that he is. He's a colossal figure in that sense. That creates, that creates toxicity and divide. There'll be people in the comments yes, going, well, of yeah. course, oh, that, that's what will happen, GB. You're talking nonsense. You're talking nonsense and pack it in, man, FFS and all this sort of stuff, that, the, the things that you get in the, in the comments. Like, that is what's happened as a result of bringing him back. It's allowed yeah. potential toxicity to develop at a time when something stressful happens, i.e. selling a player like Matt O'Reilly or i.e. losing a game at home to Hearts. Mm-hmm. It's it's not that that's that's basically how I see it, you know. When when it comes down to it, in the last week I've been called a board apologist um and I've been called a I've been called out for criticizing the board. So you get two ends of the scale. My my point on the board uh, hasn't really changed the way that the club is run in terms of financially we're so so secure I mean we're punching way above our weight in terms of Scottish football when it comes to the financials a big part of that of course is the support that Celtic get from season ticket holders who not only buy the tickets and, and turn up hail rain or, or shine but the, the back you know the merchandise the back just about anything the club does uh, sold out 
banner across the Ross County game for this weekend. We're now pushing for the next one. It's the fans, but they've given us the platform, um, obviously, from which we can be successful. I totally get it. My issue in the past was there were non-footballing figures, i.e. Peter Lovell, in the past who should not have been interfering in football. It matters, and it clearly was. And it clearly was first time round when Brennan Rodgers was in charge. We all know how that panned out and, and what happened at the end of it. But I just think there's a disconnect within the club, you know, uh, behind the scenes. Because what you've got is you've got uh, Brendan Rodgers, who apparently isn't Peter Lovell's man, isn't his kind of, like, wouldn't it be his choice, JP? And of course, you know, we can speculate and, and everything else, but everybody knows what the relationship was first time round. And he apparently wasn't the guy that, that Lovell wanted. Um, Brennan Rogers was the guy that Desmond want, wanted, but but Desmond's not in the club day to day, so I think there's a disconnect there. I think there's an issue when if recruitment isn't working, there's an extra layer to that that issue that shouldn't be there, which is the guy's name is Lowell, and and I think that does add an extra layer to that issue. If somebody doesn't do their job ordinarily, JP, they get replaced. Simple as that. And if you look in the last three transfer windows, this is now fourth, the fourth transfer window. They've not been successful. And what I mean no. by that is uh, the first two under Ange were none short of phenomenal. Nothing short of phenomenal. Yeah, there was a couple here and there that didn't actually become successful for Celtic. But they were they were the reason that not only did we win the double in his first season, we went on to win the treble in the second season. And Since, overturn a huge points deficit as well. From that... <laughs> that dark season that we spoke about at the top of the show, which is in the top three, probably worst season since 2000. So there's got to be questions asked to the head of recruitment because it's easy to say, aye, lobble this, lobble that, hoarding cat. Are the, if the recruitment team are doing what Brennan Rogers has said and presenting them with players, and Rogers could assign players on the first of the month, Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Why are they getting it wrong? So there's a disconnect there as well. You know, why is the recruitment team not presenting Rodgers with the players that they know he'll like? Um, that that worries me. And the fact that if we go four transfer windows and at the end of it we say, was that another failure as a transfer window? Well, it will be if we don't win the league. What happens to the head of recruitment, JP? Because you can't mm-hmm. stay in a job. Well, exactly. that's the other thing. The fact is that the that Mark Lower was is the is the guy in, involved there. So, and he's connected to his dad, who is this, you know, absolute hate figure amongst so many of the support. I, I neither love Peter Law or hate him, but I certainly don't. If Matt really was to be sold in this window, my immediate thought is, nay, 
to be standing burning an effigy of Peter Law. Like it, it's more to just sort of take a step back and go, that's kind of football. <laughs> that's the, we're, we're, we are so um, susceptible to teams doing to us what we do to them. And I don't think you can really cry when when it happens to us. It's it's not nice. It's not pleasant. You, in an ideal world, you want a team like that to stay together. You want another crack at the Champions League. You want to have Brendan Rodgers have a, have a season of bedding in, if you want to call it that, before he actually properly goes at it with a full pre-season and a full summer transfer window where you hope things are different. But the other thing about what you're saying about the, the signings and the signings that are presented to him, this all didn't just start on the 1st of January. Like this, there's a, the, the, Surely to God this has been an ongoing process for the last six months that mm. they have weekly meetings. I know that we play a lot of football and I know that it's hectic and everything else, but you're not going to try and tell me that they didn't have time to have recruitment meetings where players are discussed well ahead of January and where do you want to strengthen this team and this squad? And you know who who is definitely not in your thoughts at all to play for Celtic. We need to get those players out. Yeah. You know, if there's if there's guys in this squad that have got no chance at all for, of playing for you, whether you think they're too slow, they're not your type of player, you don't like their attitude, they've not got the right intensity. Anybody that's in that bracket, they they that is the priority of the the recruitment team because once you start shipping two or three or four out that leaves you room to bring one or two in. And then that's you trimming down the squad, which is, what, 11 or 12 over what Martin, Martin what uh, Brendan Rodgers uh, wants it to be at right now. Like, I think he wants to work with a squad of 24, 25, and we're at, like, north of 30. Yeah, yeah. Because that figure of 32 didn't include uh, people who were out on loan at the time. So Adeguchi came back, Phillips went out, so the figure doesn't, you know, the, the figure didn't change at that point. Now Adeguchi's out, Montgomery comes back, he's away out, so we're still, and then we weren't counting Brock Ovata, who's now participating in first-team squads. So we're 30-odd. We're um, and if you need to bring in three, which I think we do, and we brought one in, uh, if we bring in three, then you need to get rid of five or six, and that's not happening quickly enough. And I know that at the end of the window, a lot of business can happen. I totally get it. And we can't properly look at this one and gauge it until after the event, JP. Um, and I don't think we were spoiled. I don't think we were spoiled uh, as such. But what I liked was that we were getting our business done early so that you then had six months to bed them in. And we were almost ahead of the curve a wee bit um, under Ange Postcoco in the first season, that is, under the first two transfer windows. And what frustrates me is we're no longer... We're having to bring in a player. It's like when Ange first took over, we had to bring in players that, that slotted right into the team and made an impact straight away. And so there's a big, much bigger pressure on it to work, and thankfully it did. We're kind of back at that point again. We can't really bring somebody in and for them to turn into be another Burnaby uh, and, and turn out to be a bit of a flop. We can't do that. We can't really afford it um, at this moment in time. So I'm going to look at uh, some of the points coming through here, uh, but I'm also going to share with you something. And it's not about... Um, on Twitter yesterday I mentioned the story about Carlos Franco the young guy that came over for a trial JP and it was one of the most bizarre experiences I've ever had as a Celtic fan when an ex-player who's now a coach in America says to me I found a guy he's brilliant he's the best young player I've ever seen 
Um, can you do something? And your initial thought is, of course I can't. I'm just some guy. I don't know how to set up a trial. But somehow, speaking to the right people, we organised it. And before you know it, you're getting copied into emails with guys like Peter Lowell organising to fly this wee guy over from America for a two-week trial at Celtic. It was surreal. Let's just say that. And it was pre-Axon. Otherwise, I'd have been banging on about it at the time. And I put that out there. And the comment I made, the reason I brought it up wasn't just to say, oh, look what I did, JP. It was just one of these things that happened. It was bizarre at the time. I had no right to be involved in it, but I just ran with it anyway, right? And yesterday when I I spoke about it, uh, I said, the reason I mentioned it was that you've got this clutch of youngsters every year and largely none of them make it. And every so often you get a wee nugget because people are going on about, why do you keep going on about Rocco Vata? Because I think they've got a talented player there and I would like to see them making it at Celtic. It's that simple. So every now and again, this nugget comes around, this diamond comes around and you want to see them doing well for Celtic. But largely, that doesn't happen. That was my point. And then I was looking at that that game. The, the boy Franco was involved in two games. One of them was actually against Clyde's first team um, at Clyde and Barry Ferguson was the manager, I remember, um, at the time. Can't remember the score or anything. He got 12 minutes on the park, uh, the kid. But I was thinking back with memory, and I said nobody made it from that team. But when I started looking through the pictures, I, I spotted Mikey Johnson in the team. And I wasn't trying to be a wido on Twitter when I said, then I spotted Mikey Johnson because everybody came through and goes, aye, nice one. He never made it either. Well, mm-hmm. he's in Celtic's first team. Um, so when you get a, a wee bit of information, the reason I share it isn't so that people, I'm trying to get people to think I've got an in because I don't. It was a complete, it was a freak of nature that I was involved in that. Mm-hmm. But through speaking to various people, like tomorrow night I'll be at Greenock, the Greenock Beacon for a big event with Martin O'Neill that we've put on, Axom's put on. And um, it's the biggest gig we've ever put on in a theatre. And there's loads of admin around all that. JP, as you'll know, being involved in the events industry mm. and the arts. Massive amount. And it's going to be brilliant. But when I'm talking to these people or sharing a card journey with them, or you know, you, you just, you're a sponge and you try and get as much information as you can. So in terms of scouting and recruitment, what I have learned is the difference between um, how it was done when Ange was in charge how it was done when Brendan Rodgers initially came in and how it was done when he kind of switched off the Terminado uh, years, when he switched off from it. It was and months, more like. It was months, I, the, the rot had set in. So I'm delighted because I, I, I asked the question. I mean, JP, the St. Rocks game you were commentating on, right? All those Celtic ex-Celtic players, you're in your presence and you're in their midst and you're in the dressing room and all that, I'm just chipping them for information constantly. Constantly, that's what I do, right? Because I'm nosy. I love Celtic. I love getting as much info as I can. I wouldn't take something and then throw the person under a bus. No, but even if it's like wee anecdotes of whatever, yeah. things that they wouldn't share on stage with you, or, you know, that's the type of thing I'd want to know as well. Totally, totally, aye. And I mean, you've told me a multitude of stories and I'm just sitting there, I love it because it's about music generally and a lot of these things are not to be repeated. But in terms of the recruitment, um, I was delighted to hear that Rogers' approach to it now is what it was like when he first came in. And te- you know, he's so everything, he's so thorough with everything that he does, JP. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't think that he had the opportunity to be as thorough as that in the summer because it, the transitional period, the manager out, manager in, some deals quite a way down the line. 
Uh, it could have been that he's presented with players and it's just like, right, do they fit our criteria? Let's go ahead with that, even though he's maybe not looked at it as meticulously as he would previously. There was a the period, the, the Terminado months, uh, the Terminado years, right, where his attitude towards being presented with players completely changed. And it was more the, like he was barely even looking at them, never even, you know, mind skimming through them because he was unhappy with what he was being presented with. Mm. When Ange Postecoglou came in, um, he had a completely different approach in that he was not as involved in speaking to uh, the recruitment team, um, whereby I think Brendan has these regular meetings and he was far more focused on a type of player and sometimes the individual that he wanted. And we went out and got it uh, more often than not. And I guess that throughout that whole period, you think, well, there's the recruitment team, there's a lot of these scouts that are still there, JP. Uh, the manager's back who made a success at first time round, you would you would argue in terms of um, hits against misses, Brennan Rogers, would you say more hits than misses first time round? I know yeah. it tapered off near the end. He won yeah. every trophy that he competed for yeah. in Scottish football. So you've, you've got to take that confidence that we've still got the recruitment team and we've still got Brennan Rogers at the helm. Uh, but I always throw in this wee grenade at the end, what's changed? Well, what's changed is who's head of recruitment. And that does worry me because I'm not sure we've been that great since he came in. I think you're maybe looking at Johnson has been the biggest success since he came in. Mm. Oh, still on the fence with Oh. There's a few there with Bernardo. I would say at the moment Palmer's been a good signing. A lot of people will disagree with that and I get it. But we've, we've just not been as consistent in the market and that's what worries me. celebration after his goal against Bucky Thistle? Palmer. Aye, but he did that. Did he? And I, I wonder if that was maybe a maybe a, a donkey thing, like maybe if because he's been getting criticised. That that's how I saw it. I don't know if there's any weight to that at all, but I just he didn't look. He didn't do the. I mean, it would have been a bit embarrassing if he'd have done a mad celebration like he did against Lazio against Bucky Thistle. But he kind of his, his celebration was a bit subdued. So I do mm. wonder if maybe picked up on the the sort of disjointed opinion of the support because some people do rate him and some people don't. I mean, you can see the frustration in the players, not just Matt Riley, you know, from the way that he plays football and doesn't do the things that probably the manager wants him to do. And I reckon the manager would... Maybe if every if everybody was fit, does Palmer play in that Celtic team? I wonder. You know, does, I wonder. Does he play for you? Does he get in your team? No, I would play Maeda on the left and Kuhn on the right. And I'm playing Kuhn on the right completely blind. By the way, I'm I'm putting all my faith in the fact that he's going to be a player for us. But I I I can't see a future where Kuhn is not a, a Celtic first team player. I I just can't imagine him being another guy that. Flatters to deceive, Another plays, fed. A couple, plays a couple of games and then disappears. I mean, that's surely unthinkable. Surely, there's no way. But with regards to like the players that we are going after in in this window, who's to say we are not going after players like Atletico Madrid are going after Matt O'Reilly with us, and we are asking him for you know informally bidding for a player or however it works, basically registering interest in a player privately, not within the press, and then a club turns around and goes, Well, absolutely not. We don't want to we don't want to sell that player. He's too important for us for the rest of the season. 
that's the difficulty of the January transfer window, isn't it? So yeah. the same the same people that don't want Matt O'Reilly to leave right now because it's unthinkable that the idea is absurd and everything else are the same people that are wanting us to bring in this, these quality signings in the same window. But then it works both ways because there's going to be clubs that we maybe can't gazump with money and maybe won't gazump with money because no matter how much money you offer, they're not going to budge and they'll be like, right, you could offer us double that, but we're we're, we're genuinely not going to sell this player because we want to finish either first in our league or qualify for the Champions League. All these things are too important for us financially. and. Mm lose that player so it's the same exact argument that the other way and is the reason why you would expect that if we don't do the business that we want to do as a collective that that is one of the, the excuses that will be rolled out for January is that you can't go out and be spending massive amounts of money on players because clubs just simply don't want to sell them in January, as as nobody wants Matt O'Reilly to leave right now, nobody does. Like, I, I don't want I don't want him to go. No, <laughs> I, I, no. no matter how much money he's offered, I don't want him to go. But I'm realistic enough to know that there is a point potentially where you 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 can you can you can not say no to to something, especially if the player wants to go. Um, I, and that's the thing. The thing that again talking about. You know that that's your strategy. That's what we do. We buy in a player for one point five. We sell him for twenty five. Let's say plucking a figure out the air because Romano said it was going to be a record. That that's fine and well. It's the timing. It's the timing. I I think I would take it on the chin and I would accept it. That it's the end of the season. And again, you then use that to your advantage. And you would be saying to players you're interested in in the summer. Look what we did with this guy. You know, young young player. Put him on a Champions League platform and look at the movie got. And it's a great example again of the strategy working absolutely hundred percent. But let's no let's no just go too soon. It's it's a bit premature for me. Uh, Robert O'Neill, what's your thoughts? Good afternoon, Axom team from Southampton. A big shout out to the Celtic B team last night playing Southampton B at Totten AFC Snows Stadium. Totten AFC Snows Stadium. That's a mouthful. Fantastic turnout for the boys and a great performance. Uh, thanks for sharing that, uh, Robert. I hope you're well. Jungle Lion reckons that uh, we are asleep at the wheel again as in terms of the, the board. Paddy Lavery points out that uh, Axom are coming to Belfast and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing you there. Uh, Paddy's going to be good fun with Jackie and Simon Donnelly and spending a bit of time with the guys and, and obviously try to get as much information out of them as possible, JP, because that's what you do. Joe Hamilton... Um, they are wide awake, but just don't care. No vision. I, well, I'm going to go back to when we're talking about Peter Lowell, and uh, somebody pulled me up in, at the Johan Mialbi gig, JP. Uh, live gig, brilliant atmosphere, great venue in Gracie's, and um, we've actually put it up on the channel, so go and watch it. We put two videos up. We've done a behind-the-scenes one with Mialbi, which was quite a, an interesting take on the Barcelona game as well. Um, and I think it was kind of edited, because the, the boy in the crowd was a bit animated, which is fine. Um, and he was standing up for Peter Lowell because Johan Mialbi called him Pistol Pete, right? So we started talking about... And all I can say, of course he's a Celtic man. I absolutely get that he's a Celtic fan and he wants the best for the club. It's the vision bit that I'm going to focus on there because I think that the vision that Celtic supporters, JP, have for the club is a different vision from those at the helm and those in power at the club. And I think, and I've said this before, I think they're two 
too overcautious. You've got to obviously have your finances in order, which we have. But sometimes I just think we're too cautious when it comes to recruitment. Um, and I know that when we look at this Champions League campaign compared to last, as a fan, I'm disappointed. But I completely agree with what you said. Atletico Madrid away aside, there's loads of positives you can take from it. The board will look at it and say, we've actually improved this season on that on last. Because they'll look at the points tally, they'll look at the money that you've actually won, and they'll say we've improved. Certain things are said about um, we need to have this big uh, wad of cash for the seasons that we don't qualify for the Champions League. And as a fan, I'm just going, wait a minute, why is that even in? Uh, but I know there needs to be a contingency. But that worries me a bit as well, that the lack of vision, or there's a disparity between their vision and our vision. And they never seem to come out and tell us what the vision is, JP. Well, but the thing is, we've spent so much money badly. You know, like we yeah, have spent yeah. a lot of money badly. And that, that's on them. That's on them. It's on the people that have signed those deals to bring in players that have contributed very, very little. You know, like circumstances can contribute to that. I'll give them the COVID season potentially on folk like Shane Duffy and Laxalt, Barkas. Not really a Yeti because a Yeti's not really done anything since then. Shane Duffy's been a consistent performer that, I, that I've seen for any club that he's played for since Celtic, whether it was Fulham or Norwich now. He gets a game, so you, you're not really going to be getting a game for a team like or teams like them if you're absolutely terrible, if you're as bad as he was for us during that season. Um, but there's so many other uh, signings where you, you add all that money up that we spent in the last ten years, I, I, I would I would be uh, quite. <laughs> I don't think I want to see that total basically on 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 all these project players that we've signed that have just come in and and done nothing and left for nothing and seemingly have gone on to do not much. You know, like that. There's not there's not been. Like I've said before, there's not been too many cases of these players that have been at, been with Celtic for a season or something like that, done nothing, left, and then gone on to star for other clubs. It's been really, really bad, bad recruitment. Um, just on the Quan thing, I said last week I would ask my mate, uh, who's a season ticket holder at St Mirren, on his opinion. Now, before I read this out, doing well against Queen of the South in a home game for St Mirren in the Cup is is one thing. Like playing for Celtic is a completely different thing. So whilst there seems to be this gathering of pace of of of, of people being into the idea of Quan as a, a Celtic player and why would he go to St Mirren on loan if he wasn't going to develop or whatever else. But but Neil said really decent, good touch, sharp passer, absolutely worked his step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing the Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChapaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
uh, off. <laughs> if we can get our better centre midfielders fit and playing beside him, it could make a real difference for us. Just need to shoot straight now. That's what he said. So um, I'll continue to get updates on Quan's development because I'm interested. Why wouldn't you be? Of course, you'd be interested to see how a player develops, yeah. especially in Scotland, because this is, as I've said before, Scotland is where we play 90% of our football. So uh, you want players that can do it at this level. I know everybody's so desperate for us to have players that are good at Champions League level, but we need players that are good enough at this level first before they can make a step up to Champions League level. And I don't know, I don't know how far away Quan is from from that at any point in time. Um, but the, 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 there is the, there is definitely been money spent. It's just been spent very questionably. Oh, massively, massively, and we will probably dig deeper into that uh, at some point on Axon. But I think on the point of Quan, we are now shopping in so many different regions, different markets, JP. That um, the system of you know data driven recruitment is great. Phenomenal, brilliant. But what it doesn't tell you is that that whether or not that player is going to actually acclimatise to your game, uh, your culture, the environment, the weather, the, the whole the whole package. That's the one thing that you know no system is going to tell you, unless of course they have already played in in Scotland. Um, mm. And I think with guys like Quan, um, I would probably throw in Tilio, maybe Yang. The, the loan market has to be used and it needs to be utilised better. And uh, I, I did say that it's a bit of a sad indictment on the, the transfer strategy where there's no way when we signed Quan, the plan was to loan him out six months down the line. No way. So it's just not been part of the plan. It's just it's not worked out. Hopefully he can bring himself back into the equation like some other players have. We know the success stories with Ayer and Christie and Scales uh, in, in the Scottish game. But I think... When you're looking at that squad, what I would like to think is that Brennan Rodgers said, I want to keep, let's say, 25 from the current squad, or I want to have a squad of 25. So that's probably actually getting rid of a few more because you're going to bring one or two in. And the rest of them, if they're not going to contribute between now and end of the season, and you can't sell them, loan them out. Mm-hmm. Just loan them out and get them to play football, GP, because there's nothing worse than having the McCarthy or the Seagrist scenario. It's a, it's a nuisance. It's no good on the wages. It's no good for the player. Players' uh, careers can stagnate. Oftentimes, they, they never recover from it. Um, so, yeah, the recruitment is not great. Uh, Stephen Sloan, welcome back. We cannot rely on the other teams in the league to take points off Rangers. I agree with that because the standard in the league is dreadful. So we basically need to win every single game to win this league. Um, I think last night was maybe an example of that. You've got a team in the past who might have done us a favour. I, I never go in, I never look at the results, JP, and think, oh, they're going to take points off Rangers. I, I just, I'm not in that frame of mind this season. So I think Stephen's right in what he says. Uh, Barry O'Sullivan, I don't think the sale to come to Scotland is what it was. I don't think it is just as easy as the board uh, are asleep. That's way too easy without any evidence. We've got to be cute when we bring in players. Somebody mentioned yesterday, JP, when I spoke about the fact that it was two years ago that we brought in O'Reilly, Maeda and Hatati. Um, I, yeah, but you imagine bringing that type of player in now, there'd be a meltdown. Would there? I think most Celtic fans know the day of the marquee signing is gone. You look mm. at the big successes we've had. Eduard was an academy player with PSG. He played 17 games of football when we brought him to Celtic with Toulouse on loan. Um, I think we know where we are in the food chain and 
when we're, we're bringing a, a player in, it's like Nicolas Kuhn, right? You look at him and you say, well, he's one of these prodigious ta- talents who haven't quite made it for the big clubs that he's been at. He's mm-hmm. went to Rapid Vienna, made a name for himself. That's the type of player we can make work. Jota, he was a prodigious talent who, you know, he had an incredible sell-on clause in his contract because Benfica thought he was going to be a superstar mm-hmm. and he wasn't. So we bought him as a reserve player and we made it work and, and we gave him the platform that he needed. So there's been successes, but if somebody comes in, just because I've not heard of them and you've not heard of them, JP, that's no longer even part of the equation. I'd never heard the matter, really. Neither had I. No, I absolutely hadn't. But see, just on the the weather, you mentioned the weather a couple of times there, hail, rain or shine, and, you know, taking weather into account when you're trying to attract players or whatever. That weather at the Bucky Thistle game on Sunday was, I think, the worst I've ever experienced at a game. It was absolutely horrendous. And when they put the sign up to say on the screens that the trains were going to be cancelled from seven o'clock onwards, you know, I'm I'm always a wee bit kind of miffed when you see people leaving 20 minutes early or whatever. Five minutes, fair enough. But I never understand anybody leaving early unless you've got a really, really valid reason to leave I don't and it's like leaving before the end of a film at the cinema it's just it just it's weird to me because you don't know what you're going to miss you could miss one of the best goals you'll ever see or never see um, and the weather on Sunday was absolutely brutal I, I stuck it out to the end but it was I, I was really I was genuinely praying for a short amount of uh, injury time because it was it was that bad the swirling rain freezing cold my uh, Trousers were sodden from the way into the game, um, and but on on Rocco Vata, Rocco Vata, really pleased to see him uh, take his chance. And I know again it was against lower league opposition and probably the type of teams that he plays in the B team. But yeah. having been at a B team game and seen where the some of the parks that he's played at, I, I know how. Well, I don't know, but I can imagine how big a deal that must have been to him to score. For Celtic in, in Celtic Park as a player who's been there since he was a wee guy and uh, yeah I mean it, it, was a, it, was a, it would have been a huge deal so not not, not something to be underplayed and I, I, I kind of do hope that he does sign a new deal and is given a, some sort of pathway um, mm. into the first team because you kind of get the feeling that there is a player there I don't know I, I, based on not a lot, to be honest, but based on the fact that he was given an opportunity. But Brendan Rodgers said afterwards he needs a lot of work. and He, he, he will need a lot of work because he's been playing against players that are way off what he's going to come up against in the in, in the, the Scottish League, in the, in the top league and in Europe as well. I'm going to throw something out at the moment because I've already commented on it, JP, and that was the interview given by his dad. Mm-hmm. The dynamic of that, right? So if you think, when was the last time we had a former player's son in at the club? When would the last time have been that that happened? Paul Douglas. I was thinking Paul Douglas. The reason I was thinking of him, he was fresh in my mind because I was talking about Shea Given the other day. Mm-hmm. So Paul Douglas, how often did you see Kenny going on a TV show and talking Aye. about the chances of Paul Douglas making it Celtic? I, I, I mean, after making my initial comment on the socials, I realised that there was a division of opinion on a player's dad talking about the chances of the boy working out. And I'm I'm kind of looking at it from both sides. And I'm thinking that 
it might actually annoy the football club because I'm doubting that they sh- sanctioned the interview. Mm. There's no way they would have done that. Um, it might annoy the player. <laughs> you imagine walking out of the dressing room, oh, I seen your dad talking about you last night in the telly, son. Mm. So I, I'm not quite sure where I stand on it now, to be honest with you. I put, I put out my initial thoughts um, and now I've seen both sides of it and I'm just wondering, what do you think? Because okay, he gave quite a... It was kind of candid, wasn't it, in terms yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, totally. You got the idea, you got the impression that he probably was a bit miffed that he hasn't had more of an opportunity. But then he has to think about it. Like, Rudy Vata compared his situation at his that at, at, at um, Rocco's age to what his, age, his situation is now. And it's like, I would never have had any idea that I could play for a bigger team or a bigger club than than, than anything that I was at at that time. Um, but he basically said he didn't think he was ready as a, as a, as a, as a, I was going to say as a kid, but he's becoming an adult. He's 18, isn't he? So like, he didn't think he was ready. I think back to myself at 18 and even when I went to live in France when I was 20 for six months, that wasn't, going to play for a football team with the pressures of playing for a football team that was just me going to study and that was pretty hard I have to admit could I have imagined myself two years previously doing that no I don't think I don't think at 18 I would have been mature enough to do that I know I've, like nowadays kids have grown up or kids grow up a lot sooner than they did 24 years ago um, totally accept that the way that I see my friends kids operating a a tablet or whatever like my friend's near two year old six months ago could navigate his way around the tablet so by that logic when he's 18 he'll be a far more of an advanced 18 year old than I was but you're rich in some things and you're poor in others um, I, I would say but yeah yeah, I, I get I get where he's coming from on the is he ready to up sticks and then have the pressure of playing out of the comfort zone of Celtic where he's been since he was a kid, where he knows everybody, he knows all the staff, he knows how the club works, to then suddenly just take yourself out of that and go into a completely different environment where they're speaking a different language, which you've got to factor in as well because no everybody's going to be speaking English at Bologna or wherever it is in Italy that he goes to play. Um, differences with Lewis Ferguson, he was a bit older, so... Um, yeah. And I think I don't, maybe Josh Dyke was as well. I don't know. I couldn't say that about Josh Dyke, but um, I, 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 without banging the drum too much about Rocco, I, I, I would like to see him because he's a player in a position that we've not had anybody from the develop. Like we've not developed a player in that position for so many years, and now we've actually got one who we could work on with a good coach, and we're potentially just going to let him go. Um, and we've banged on about it for so long when are we ever going to see a striker come through at Celtic talking about Mark Burchill like that's 24 years ago <clears throat> Jerry Craney I know you know you're spot on uh, I think there's there's cautionary tales uh, littered uh, throughout the history of Celtic where you've got a wonder, wonder kid we were talking about it the other day and how many of them actually go out on to better their career after Celtic they get the move uh, and then after that, it kind of tapers off. And there's been so many examples of it, uh, JP. And it's sad to see a footballer who doesn't uh, fulfil their potential always is. Mm-hmm. But when you look at some of the biggest success stories of, of uh, Scottish footballers, sometimes the, their journey hasn't been everything young. 
you know, Andy Robertson, mm-hmm. classic example, uh, thrown in the scrap heap, had to go and play part-time football for Queen's Park whilst working in Marks and Spencer's. We all know the story. Goes on mm-hmm. to win the European Cup. Paul Lambert, Paul Lambert, you know, I always quite liked him as a player. He broke through into that brilliant St. Lynn team in the late 80s as a 17-year-old, but when he was playing for Motherwell, there was Celtic never tried to sign him. He goes over, he gets a couple of trials, one with PSV Eindhoven, one with Borussia Dortmund. Eventually, he wins the European Cup. But it wasn't as though he got it all as a youngster. He was a prodigy, mm. Sonny Pike. Was that his name? Sonny Pike? It was like, yeah. <laughs> it was like that story. Like Ben Doak, I think Ben Doak's a different beast. I think hopefully the injuries haven't uh, affected him too badly long term. I think he'll be a different Kelly Fish entirely, but we know the names, you know, Islam Farouz and Carmel Codenbelli, and you don't want too much too young. Barry Hepburn, young Celtic player, went to Bayern Munich, um, and until recently was playing on loan at Queen's Park. How's his career going to develop? You know, and you think it, sometimes it's too much, but you get it as well, JP, because these young guys, when they're they're given that opportunity to go to Bayern Munich or, or you know, Chelsea or whatever. Ian Morrison's now playing for Sean Maloney. Yeah, at Wigan. Like that yeah. that I watched that game against Man United and that Wigan team was like a kind of who's who of ex uh players that had played in Scotland. It was lo- I suppose it was like it was a good was, was Liam Shaw playing? Was Liam Shaw playing? Liam Shaw was playing, yeah, he gave yeah. away the penalty against Bruno Fernandes. I mean it was a penalty, it was a bit soft, but it was a penalty. Um, and and you had a, f- a few others, but um, I he was he was playing in that. I, when he said Morrison, I was like, wonder. And I, could, I looked it up straight away, and it was like, yeah, on loan from Bayern uh, two or the second the second Bayern team. So did he go on loan to Bayern Munich to, to think that he was going to play on loan? Or did he sign for Bayern Munich to then think that one day he would be on loan at Wigan? You know, playing a, playing alongside a load of other kind of almost like outcasts from a, a, a period of time in Scottish football that is already feels like ages ago. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, 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 another name that comes up from the past that I remember as a striker was Mark Anthony. remember oh, him yes. being in and around the, the Celtic first team. But it was, I mean, that, that would be, he would be an interesting person to, to interview, actually, if you get hold mm-hmm. of him. Mm-hmm. Because he, he couldn't get... machine, wasn't he? He couldn't, he scored every week for the reserves every single because that was at a time when I was buying the Celtic view like every every week basically and you were always reading about Mark Anthony it was always like I, I was like but he's going to come in at the first team he's going to be the new young striker and all this sort of stuff and he couldn't get in the team because we had Van, Hy- Van Hoydonk and Cadetti and Andreas Tom and you're, you're not going to dislodge any of them from a starting position and um, I think he maybe got a couple of opportunities in the first team, but like it never he really. Did, he did play, aye. He eventually went to Tranmere Rovers, if I remember correctly. Uh, there'll yeah. be somebody watching this who knows his current whereabouts. These, these mm. are the types of players. The next big thing, you know, that there, there is. Mm. There's so many of them, JP, and, and and just that a tiny, tiny amount of them actually go through uh, and fulfil their potential. I keep saying it. I'll probably check it myself. The last twenty years, how many players have come through the Celtic Academy and played a hundred games for Celtic? Not many, mm. not mm. many, and that, that's another discussion point because uh, Vata's been in the news, so we're going to talk about it. And it's interesting to hear your views on it. One final point before we go uh, from Jungle Lion. Great to see you as always. Two years gone today, Mister Jansen. Um, I remember when Vim Jansen came in as the manager. I remember the uh, 
the kind of headlines he was getting. Um, again, a manager who came in uh, having been managing in Japanese football. Uh, bizarrely, I'd never heard of him. I, I genuinely had never heard of him, and I, I, I was, I was, I was concerned because at that time, getting in somebody that you didn't know anything about, when you know there was so much stability across the city, uh, you just did and money as well, and you, you just didn't know what, what this, what that guy was going to do, and it turned out to be an absolute masterstroke. And listening to the players. Uh, talk about Vim Jansen at that event that I went to at the Armadillo and they were talking about how he was with them straight off mm. the bat and how they respected him straight off the bat knew what he'd done knew that he'd won the European Cup that wasn't massively peddled when he signed when he became the Celtic manager there wasn't a couple of World Cup final appearances <laughs> European <laughs> Cup winner Aye. If, if that was in any article it was in small print because it was mostly talking about how he'd come from Japan and didn't really have any managerial prowess or anything like that, but um, no, the, it was, worst thing, the worst thing to hit Hiroshima and all that that was a headline. Yeah, awesome. I, I never thought that in the year 2023 I'd be standing in Rotterdam looking at a giant mural dedicated to him. Oh, it's so class, like it's really quite moving to have, to have been there and know, to know the story about the his, his, his uh, pal who was across the road and he would park underneath the. The mural of his pal, and then the once when Vim Jansen passed away, they were like these. This artist was like, "Oh, I want to do a mural of him facing his pal," and it's just a really nice story. Um, it is the, the the master brain they call him, eh? Vim Jansen. And uh, when he actually took over, the the quotes. If you go through the archive newspapers, the quotes that were were given were were from um, Johan Cruyff. Johan Cruyff mm-hmm. was going on about the fact that he was a perfect manager for a club like Celtic and he, he gave him a, a huge glowing kind of like recommendation um, and I think he had a job to do and he'd done it, it wasn't about bringing young players in JP, if you look at it, I, I bet you we didn't have a young player playing that season um, mm-hmm. and some of the signings that came in, obviously he masterminded the Heimlet Larson deal there's no way he wanted Darren Jackson and Jonathan Gould to sign for Celtic, come on come on, uh, the club signed him you know, that's the, the the recruitment team. Um, the guy that was uh, the head scout at the time, or, or head of recruitment, as it probably was, uh, doing all the scouting reports. Remember David Hay at the master. David Hay, yeah, uh, yeah. I David Hay at that time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um. So the, these are the things that we look back on and we celebrate our heroes. And Vim Jansen, um, he wrote his name into the Celtic history book. Sadly, passed away two years ago, and we do remember him today. It doesn't seem like two years. Um, massive crowd coming in today. Well over a thousand for most of that. Thank you all. It's a Thursday afternoon. Tomorrow night, um, I will be on a stage with Martin O'Neill. Things don't get much better than that. It's just unbelievable. If you're going to be Coming along, uh, you'll get an email tonight telling you what your seat number is and um, the uh, the times and the schedule and all that kind of stuff. We'll be doing a wee bit for charity tomorrow night as well. So I'm looking forward to it. It's a beautiful venue. And then we move on to the next one after that. Uh, but obviously, I will be back at 12.30. All that's left for me to say today, thank you, JP Mason, once again, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Cheers, Paul.
Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.